Salt Company, how are you doing? Good. Hey, my name is Eric. Uh, I am, like Callie said, the worship ministry lead here at Keystone. And if I haven't gotten to know you yet, and if you don't know this, we did not grow up in Iowa. My wife, Kelsey, is in the back, and we both grew up in Atlanta, Georgia. We were born and raised there and lived there for a long time. We just got here in January, which was the coldest thing that had ever happened to us in our entire life. Um, So that wasn't our favorite. And this state has like very little sweet tea, which for people from the South is like a tough thing. And we were talking about that before the service. You don't know what good sweet tea is until you've been to the South. Um, But we're super excited to be here. We've enjoyed our six months here. We have, Kelsey and I have probably, I would say three big things coming up on the back half of this year that we're really looking forward to. Um, So as you get to know us, one, in September, we have a baby girl on the way. Yep. Super exciting. Um, Equally exciting and terrifying. Her name is Georgia because that just felt right. Um, So we're super excited about that. So that's that's September that we're looking forward to. Um, This is probably more me than Kelsey, but late October, I am looking forward to almost definitely watching the Braves win a World Series. And I, I know, but they've just been on a tear lately, the best team in baseball right now. So... That's probably a guaranteed thing that's gonna happen. And then in January, maybe even more guaranteed is the University of Georgia will be locking in a third national championship in a row. I, and I know, I know that this is a tough thing, but all I'm saying is that when it gets to January and the team that you cheer for is watching the game, you can come to our house and watch our team that's still playing. So, is that fair? Yikes. All right, we're off to a good start. Hey, really excited to be here. We're talking about Galatians. Um, We're in Galatians 5 tonight, and we're talking about freedom in Christ. We're talking about living life in the Spirit. Um, But before we jump into that, if you haven't been to a lot of this series, and if, if you're wondering, if you're in this room tonight and you're saying, what is Galatians? What's Galatians about? It was a book written by Paul to a city, the people that lived in Galatia. It wasn't necessarily a single church, but it got passed around to a bunch of different churches. And, And really what was happening is these were Gentiles. These weren't Jewish people. And so Paul was writing to them because what had happened is that as they got to know Jesus and as Jesus started to change their life and they started to follow Jesus, there were some Jewish people who came in and said, that's really good. I'm glad you're following Jesus, but if you're gonna follow Jesus, you probably also should do these certain things that us Jews do, which was not the gospel, but it started to bleed into the culture. And so Paul is writing them to correct that and to let them know that that is not the way that um, God has for them to live. And so this whole letter takes place and what we get to tonight is Galatians 5, where Paul starts to talk about freedom. And so, Before we jump into Galatians 5, if we're gonna talk about freedom, I think it's really important for us to just for a second talk about if we're talking about freedom, then what are we being freed from? And so we're gonna jump back for just a second. You don't even have to flip here because I'm gonna summarize it, but we're gonna jump back to the very beginning of the Bible, which is Genesis. There's this story of Adam and Eve. God creates them and everything is absolutely perfect. Adam and Eve 
really have no context for sin. This is the relationship that people have with sin starting out in the Bible is, is really no context for it. They live in perfect community with God, which we can't even like filter that, which is such a weird thing to think about. You can't even imagine what it would be like to live in perfect relationship with God and no context for what sin would be like. And so for the first two chapters of Genesis, you see Adam and Eve living in perfect relationship with God. You flip to Genesis chapter three and the whole story turns. Sin enters the world for the very first time as Adam and Eve give in to this idolatry of saying, hey, we could be like God. We could replace God and then we don't even need him anymore, which we're still doing that thing today. But Adam and Eve give in, they bite a fruit that they were told not to eat from and sin enters the world. And from that moment on, everybody's context is that every single moment that they've been alive, every single moment that you've been alive, you know the taste of sin. We are born in sin and then we sin throughout our life. And this was the story of the people of the Old Testament is that post Adam and Eve, but pre-Jesus, people were sinful and they had to make sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice in order to atone for the sin that was being committed and to be made right with God. And then Jesus shows up on the scene and God has a plan. And, and this is the story of the gospel is that Jesus shows up, lives the perfect life that we could never live, fulfills the law that we could never fulfill, dies on a cross in your place and in my place, and that his blood pays for the sin that we've committed. And so if we know and follow Jesus, which is a phrase you'll hear a ton at Keystone, then Jesus' blood pays for you. And so all of that being said, we jump to Galatians 5. So if you're Bible, look at this. And this first sentence, um, we're gonna park on it for a second. After all of that, what, what Paul says is, so Christ has truly set us free. And we're gonna go through a lot of Galatians 5 tonight, but for just a second, you could, if that's where we stopped, like if we just said that, that's more amazing news than, than you could ever hear from anything else in the rest of your life, is that Christ has truly set us free. God has looked down on sinners who were broken and turned their back on him and rebelled against him, and he sent Jesus, and Jesus died in your place and my place, and so Christ has truly set us free. It's worth singing about, it's worth praying through, it's worth devoting your life to, is this idea that because Jesus has done that, then he's worth living every single second that I've got for. But Paul goes on. So let's read this together. It says, so Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you are counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. I'll say it again. If you are trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. For if you are trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. And so Paul says, hey, you have been made perfectly free. Don't go back. Don't go back to trying to live this life where you're checking boxes of, I, I'm keeping this law. And, and specifically here, he's talking about 
circumcision that was just coming into the culture and and these Gentiles were being told like, hey, you need to do this. So it's like Jesus is great plus circumcision and then you're good. It's Jesus plus this and this and this. And as long as you do these things in addition to following Jesus, then you're good. And, and we know when we read this that that seems weird, but the reality is that we do this so often in our faith today. The reality in our faith today is that so often it's man, like, follow Jesus, have faith in Jesus, that's enough. But also, like, if you go a couple days and you don't do your quiet time, God's mad at you. And that starts to invade into our thinking where we think like, if I'm not doing all the Christian things right, if I'm not measuring up, then God's gonna be mad at me. And what Paul is saying is, that's not it at all. If you're gonna, if you're, if we're gonna go back to following the law, then good luck trying to keep all of it. Don't go that way. I love the way that he says it at the top of the verse one where he says, now make sure that you stay free. Christ has truly set you free, so make sure that you stay free. He keeps going, look at verse five. He says, but we who live by the spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness that God has promised to us. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there's no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. What is important is express, faith expressing itself in love. You are running the race so well. Who has held you back from following the truth? It certainly isn't God for he is the one who called you to freedom. This false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. I am trusting the Lord to keep you from believing false teachings. God will judge that person, whoever he is, who has been confusing you. He says, you are running the race so well. And for so many seasons in my life, and I, I wanna say that for you, if you've been following Jesus for a while, you can look back and you can remember seasons where you followed Jesus really well. And then you can remember seasons where stuff crept in and you, you convinced yourself like, oh, I've gotta be perfect in this season or, oh, I can do whatever I want and God will just forgive it or whatever it is. But the, there's so many seasons where, where Paul would look at you and he would say, you're running the race so well. And that's what he's saying to the Galatians is, hey, you've, you were living so well for Christ. What's happened? It's not God who's placing these new demands on you. It's people. And I think a lot of times we start to think that God, like it's God who's trying to take away our freedoms and it's, it's God who wants less for us and he wants us to follow all these rules perfectly. And, and Paul's saying, no, no, no. God's not the one who's putting extra weight on you. It's, it's these people that you're allowing to teach you the message that never was the message. He keeps going. Verse 11, he says, dear brothers and sisters, if I were still preaching that you must be circumcised, as some say I do, why am I still being persecuted? If I were no longer preaching salvation through the cross of Christ, no one would be offended. Weird sentence right here from Paul, but he says, I just wish that those troublemakers who want to mutilate you by circumcision would mutilate themselves. Strong words, really passionate. Verse 13, lean into this for a second. He says, for you have been called to live in freedom. My brothers and sisters, don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. 
love your neighbor as yourself. But if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out, beware of destroying one another. And so this whole first half of Galatians 5, Paul focuses on freedom. And he says, hey, you used to be stuck in sin. That used to be your story. And, and today, in your life before Jesus, that used to be your story. You were stuck in sin. You were a slave to sin. If you've been here for some of the Galatians series, I think you've heard that a couple of times, is that you used to be enslaved to sin. You were without hope. And Christ has truly set you free. And so if we could sum this up, this first half of Galatians, if we could sum it up in a phrase for anybody who's a note taker, what Paul is saying is he's saying, hold on to your freedom. That's, that's kind of his, like if you could put it in a few words, he's saying Christ has offered you perfect freedom that'll lighten your load. Christ has offered you perfect freedom that will give you joy. Christ says that he, he came to give you life abundantly. And so what he's saying is, hey, Christian, hold on to the freedom that Jesus is offering you. Don't fall back. Don't go back into thinking that, that you've gotta do everything perfectly and fulfill every law. But he also says at the end of the chapter, he, he also says, but hey, also don't satisfy your sinful nature. Like don't stack up things that you need to do in order to impress Christ because you think that that's gonna give you freedom, but also don't search for freedom in other things. Don't satisfy your sinful nature. Uh, like I said, I, I grew up in Atlanta and I've been, I've been a worship leader for a long time now, which is weird, but um, I wasn't, like if you would have known me back when, I lived in Georgia for most of my life growing up. You would not have known me as a musician for the most part at all. You would have known me as a baseball player, which was the thing that I did for most of my life. That's, uh, that runs deep in our family. Um, I played for uh, a big Atlanta, all the Atlanta schools are big, but it was a big 7A kind of 4,000 person school. There were tons of those in that county. Like our, the county had 10 to 15 7As. Um, and that county is highly, highly, highly competitive in baseball. And so I say all that to say, like, that was, that was my life, was to make sure that I made the Parkview baseball team, that I was able to play at a high level because that coach <laughs> was not friendly and, and was pretty scary. And so um, baseball was, was everything. And then in middle school, after a camp, I for the first time ever decided this, this cultural Christianity, and some of you probably can relate to this a little bit. It's like you grow up in a Christian home and there reaches a point where it's either like, I don't really care about my parents' faith or I've got to own this. And that like, I've got to make a decision on, I'm going to follow Jesus. And so for me, that was in middle school. That influenced the way that I played baseball as I moved forward into high school, where I was kind of always the good kid on the baseball team. And for those of you who have been in locker rooms a good bit, you know that um, there's not always a, a whole lot of honoring Jesus happening inside of a sports locker room. Um, so I was the good kid. I was happy about that. I was not the kid that was gonna get in trouble off the field. Um, but as I started to play high school baseball, I had um, just an elbow injury from pitching that 
took me out of baseball. I eventually decided I don't wanna keep trying to recover. And so I'm gonna focus on leading worship. I say all this to say, during that season of change, for the first time since becoming a Christian in my life that I can distinctly remember, I changed to being pretty much at church all the time. And I was a worship leader. And what I started to do is I started to stack up pressure on the need to be perfect. Because I'm not the good kid in a baseball locker room anymore. I'm the church kid. And so if I make any mistakes, if I fail in any way, then I'm messing up my name, I'm messing up God's name, I'm messing up our church's name, which is absurd. But that was the pressure that I was putting on myself over and over. And it was, it was if I make a mistake, if I sin, if I struggle, if I'm even tempted, then God is displeased with me. And so I'm gonna have to work extra hard to earn his forgiveness and to earn his love back. And I wonder if there's anybody in the room where like that's been you this year. Like I wonder if there's anybody, maybe you're a brand new believer and, and it's like you're recognizing my life needs to change and it needs to look more like Jesus, but you're putting a ton of pressure on yourself to be perfect and you're thinking that God's opinion on you changes and flexes based on your performance. Or maybe you've been a Christian for a really long time and you're just going through one of these seasons like the Galatians were starting to go through where they said, I, like, we've gotta be better, we've gotta do more. And, and all of that to say, Paul would look at you and he would say, hey, Christian, Christ has truly set you free. So now make sure that you stay free. Don't fall back in. Don't, don't give in to thinking that you need to do more. Don't give in to thinking that you can just do whatever you want. Christ has truly set you free, so it's time to stay free. So then the question would become, well, if, what, what would true freedom in Christ look like? So look back at Galatians 5, because he answers this. It's, like, it's almost like he reads our mind asking that question, and he goes, he goes ahead and answers it in verses 16 through 18. So he says this. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves, the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. Paul answers the question that we have he talks about freedom and the question that would pop up in our minds is like, well then, Paul, like what would true freedom look like? What would it look like if I was living free? And he says, hey, it's this, let your lives be guided by the Holy Spirit. And what he effectively says is, and if you do that, then you'll do what you're supposed to do. If you let the Holy Spirit lead you, then you'll do what you're supposed to do. And it's not a matter of checking boxes and making sure that I keep every single law perfectly that God has spelled out in the Bible. It's let me let the Holy Spirit, let me let the power of God that has now been given to Christians and lives inside of us, let me let the Holy Spirit of God guide me step by step in life and he'll lead me where I'm supposed to go. But then Paul's realistic and what he says is, while that's true, your sinful desire fights to go in the exact opposite direction 
And if you've been a Christian for more than three minutes, you know that that's true in your life. You know that you've had the feelings where you're like, I know what God wants me to do. I just really don't want to do it. I would rather, and you can fill in that blank with whatever it is for you, but you know the feeling of having like the Lord inside you saying, here's what I want from you. And then you chasing after what you want and knowing that those are two opposite things. And so as Paul starts to talk about that, he gets extremely practical, which is our uncomfortable part of the night. So let's run just dead into it. Verses 19 through 21. He gives us a list and he says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living this sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. When you look at this list, and you can leave this on the screen for a little bit. When you look at this list, I, there, there's a couple things that I know just because I, <laughs> I am a sinner just like you. And there's a couple things that I know. A, this list is so prevalent, like it's just as prevalent in culture today as it ever has been. You, I guarantee, can pull out your phone and spend just five minutes on TikTok or Instagram and you can find most of this celebrated. That's the reality. And, and we know that that's true. What I also know is that when you look at this list, you probably, if you're being honest, the first time you read through it, you saw probably three or four or maybe more things that you look at and you go, that's me and you know it and you look through the things that that your sinful nature is saying hey instead of letting the holy spirit lead me i want to do this like these are the things that i think are going to bring me the freedom that christ is offering and so maybe you looked up at the screen and for some of you you might have looked at sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures. And, and you know that you failed in that area on your phone like days ago, yesterday, last night. Like you may look at that and feel tremendous guilt. Some of you are looking at this list and you're seeing jealousy, selfish ambition, and you're realizing how much you compare yourself with other people, how much you want the things that other people have. Some of you are looking at this list and you're looking at uh, drunkenness and wild parties. And if you're being honest, you came into college knowing that this is what culture says about college and your thought process was, I'm gonna live that up for the two to four years that I have to do that and then I'll calm down afterwards. That's just the reality. When you watch any movie about what college is supposed to look like, not only is that what it looks like, but it's celebrated. Those movies are people's favorite movies. It's so celebrated in culture and your heart wants to run to those things. It wants to run away from the direction 
that the Holy Spirit is leading you. And what Paul says to us, um, if you're a note taker, kind of second point of the night, what Paul says to us is run from sinful desires. He tells us to run from it. The Bible word that you'll see all the time that gets used for this is the word repent. And it's the idea of I'm walking towards my sinful desires. I'm looking at them, my eyes are on them and I turn, I repent and I run the other direction. I make a 180 degree turn, I run the other direction and I create some distance in between me and the sin and the pleasure and the desire that has been holding me back from following the Lord well. Paul tells us to run from it. There's a reality that's true for all of us. And I know this is true because I know this is true for me 100,000%. But what we like to do with the things that are on this list that we just looked through is like, we know that we're not supposed to do them and that's not what God has for us. What we like to do is we like to keep them kind of like away from us because we know that it looks bad to really like lean into it. But we also like to keep it close enough to where we can still see it and it's comfortable and we can run back to it if we're really having a hard time and then we can keep following Jesus, but the sin is always nearby. We don't really like to run and turn from it. We just like to not do it, but keep it close. And there's a story, um, I was reading this and this was wild, but there's a story about, um, it was a tiger trainer who was, um, he was known for training tigers, which is a job apparently. and. Um, he allowed one of them to live in his house, which every expert said, and I don't feel like you have to be an expert to know that like the fact that experts had to give advice on this. Experts said, this is a bad idea because tigers shouldn't live in your house. Really, really smart stuff. And so, but this tiger was allowed to live in the house, allowed on the furniture, allowed to eat the food that he ate, allowed to get in the bed with the trainer. And so you probably, can guess how this story ends, but the trainer was mauled at some point by the tiger, which is really sad, and the, tiger, the trainer lost his life. And so, sad story, but it was also one of those stories where you hear it and you're like, well, yeah. I mean, like, it's a tiger. And, and as wild as that sounds, this is what we do with the sins on this list, is that we act like the trainer who allows these sins to get on the furniture and to stay in the house with us and we keep them close by and anybody who's rational, any of our friends, anybody who's trying to hold you accountable is saying to you, hey, you need to get as far away from that thing as you could possibly get because if you let it hang around, it's gonna destroy you. And oftentimes we're the trainer who's going, I don't think it'll hurt me. I just wanna keep it nearby. It'll be fine, I can control it. And so we have these things in our life. We have these sinful desires, these, these pleasures and, and envy and drunkenness and impurities. And we say, hey, I'm, like, I know it's wrong. I'm gonna keep it from arm's distance, but I think I can control it. And I'm just gonna keep it nearby just in case. Just in case this Jesus thing doesn't work out. Just in case I need something to fall back on. I'm gonna keep it nearby. Paul says, no. He says, run from sinful desires. And then he goes on which is where we're gonna to land tonight, Galatians 5, 22 through 26. He says this, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, 
love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. I love this. What Paul says is God is not just trying to show up and to take fun out of your life. He's not just trying to show up and say, hey, all these desires that you have, you can't do them, take that away and, and just be obedient. What God is doing is he's saying, I wanna take this stuff out of your life that's robbing you of freedom. I wanna replace it with good, healthy, spiritual fruit. What Jesus is saying is I'd like to replace the sexual immorality and the impurity and the lustfulness with faithfulness. What Jesus is saying is I would like to replace the enviousness, the anger, the outbursts, the jealousy with love and peace and patience and goodness. What Jesus is saying is I would like to replace the drunkenness and the wild parties with self-control. He wants to replace the sinful desires in your life with healthy spiritual fruit that will grow and cause you to look more like Jesus and allow you to live in the freedom that he has for you. What Paul is saying, if you wanna write this down, kind of final point of the night, is that in order for you to have these fruit, you have to follow the Spirit's leading. He says, for you to have these fruit in your life, the Holy Spirit has to be given the reins in order to start developing them. And so it's gonna require that I spend some time on my knees saying, hey God, I'm okay and I'm opening up my hands to let you start replacing these sinful desires with the things that are actually gonna lead me into freedom. Which is a tough thing because like we talked about, we wanna keep our sinful desires close because it makes us feel comfortable. And what it's gonna take is for me to be willing to get down on my knees and say, God, I, I don't wanna struggle with blank anymore. I need you to start to remove that from my life and I'm gonna follow the Spirit's leading so that as you remove this and as it's painful, you're gonna replace it with love and gentleness and self-control and goodness. And I think as, as we start to see that happen in our lives, then we realize that the freedom that Jesus offers is so much better than the freedom that we often chase after. And so I wanna give you two questions to focus on to help you kind of chew on this a little bit. This would be a great thing to, to bring with you to a quiet time this week. Um, but you can throw these two questions on the screen. Um, the first one, what desires need to be replaced by spiritual fruit in your life. When you looked at those verses 19 through 21, what desires on that list 
did you look at immediately and go, yeah, I'm still holding on to that. And I haven't allowed spiritual fruit to grow in that area because I don't wanna let go of whatever that blank is for you. And so spend some time on that question with the Lord this week. What desires need to go? Like for you as a Christian, whether you've been a Christian for a couple weeks or for 10 years, what is it just like, it's time that I've been holding on to this sin for way too long and I've got to let God in, it's time. And the second question, is there spiritual fruit in your life that hasn't been growing for too long, which is spelled wrong, that's cool. Um, marketing major, you know, like spelling wasn't my thing. Um, is there spiritual fruit in your life that hasn't been growing for too long? Do you look at yourself and you say, I'm just as patient right now as I was five years ago? Do you look at yourself and say, I, I have just as much self-control as I used to have? Those spiritual fruit aren't growing. If that's the case, there's something wrong. There's something that you're not giving up to God, that you've been unwilling to give up to God. And so if you're sitting in this room and you're saying, I haven't gotten any, like I'm no more gentle than I used to be, then like guy or girl, no matter how much you like value not being a gentle person, that's a fruit of the spirit. That's what the Holy Spirit does in your life. It doesn't matter what your Enneagram says, you don't get to say, oh, well, I'm, I'm a type three and so I'm just not patient. Like that's not it. The Holy Spirit didn't give exclusivities for that. You don't get to say, oh, I'm, I'm a type seven and so I just don't have a ton of self-control. You do if the Holy Spirit is gonna change you and make you look more like Jesus. And so what's been holding back fruit? What excuses have you allowed to creep in that have been holding you back from growing the way that Jesus has designed you to grow? My prayer for you is that you would live in freedom. Paul's prayer for you is that you would live in freedom. And the freedom that Jesus has to offer is better than the freedom that following rules perfectly has to offer. And it's better than the freedom that all of the sinful desires that you could ever rack up have to offer. Jesus's freedom is a better freedom and his spirit will lead you into that. And so I wanna pray that over you and then we're gonna jump back into some worship together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you are doing in our lives. And God, we acknowledge that Day by day, you're working on us. Lord, you're causing us to grow, you're changing us. Um, and so Lord, we pray that we would start to understand what, what your freedom looks like. God, we pray that, that we would allow the Holy Spirit to lead us. God, we recognize that, that we bring sinful desires to the table. That there are a lot of us in the room that are struggling with all sorts of different things. We're struggling with sexual sin, we're struggling with comparison, we're struggling with living for pleasure, we're struggling with living out of want and out of trying to, to craft the perfect life for ourselves. Lord, we recognize that, that for some of us, we're trying to be perfect and we're trying to, to make sure that we earn the favor of God and you never designed it to work that way. And so Lord, we pray for spiritual fruit to start to develop in our lives as we follow the Spirit's leading. 
that you would cause us to look more like Jesus. Lord, that we would experience the freedom that you have to offer. It's in your name we pray, amen.